Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's November 11, 2016. You're listening to the best PokerCast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Hey, another Anti-Up Poker Tour event successful in the books. Absolutely, and uh, recording a little early because it's a crazy week. So yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I was uh, up fairly late last night, later than I thought. Um, uh, waiting for this uh, final table to conclude, and a um, couple things. I could still be down there watching it now, <laughs> had they not done a three-way chop, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, but yeah, we had a, a great end to our uh, Pearl River Poker Open here at Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi. Again, this is never going to be a big event because it's just uh, it's a new resort and they're they're growing. But every year, this is the third major series they've done, and every one of them has been better than the last one. And obviously, the second one that we've been here, so everybody's happy. The main event had a hundred thousand dollar guarantee, and I think the prize pool was well more than one hundred forty thousand. They had two hundred people, so very happy that we got a good turnout for um, the last events. And um, real nice being here. So, but uh, happy to be headed home today. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And the other thing too is that it's just not this hugely populated area too. It's not like it's a major city where it's in. Yeah, so. exactly. And you know, the great thing about our partners here is that they they understand the challenges of getting folks here. So, um, and they're not deterred about. I mean, a lot of people, I think, if you had a resort that was um, as remote as this, would probably not even try to do this. But um, very committed to getting people here to play poker. Uh, they know that they've got a good resort. Once you get here, you can enjoy yourself here. So it's just a matter of getting people here. And uh, certainly with 200 people in the main event. Um, and uh, if you look at the, the hometowns that we collect, um, it wasn't just Mississippi. It was Alabama. It was Tennessee. It was Texas. It was Louisiana. Um, so people came from, from a good good ways away. And it was interesting last night uh, with a CHOP discussion because everybody lived about two or three hours away. Oh, yeah. there's They're motivated. Yeah, and I love this because I've always lived in populated areas, right? So I, you know, grew up in Columbus, and it was you know two hours everywhere. Now Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Detroit, wherever you want to go. Florida's two hours, Orlando from where we are, two hours to. So two hours is kind of not that big deal, but it's funny. I heard somebody last night like, "Oh yeah, my drive's only four hours. It's nothing. It's short. <laughs> it's nothing short about a four-hour drive, folks. I don't care what you." It's doable, but it's not short. <laughs> We've done that drive. It's not short. <laughs> Man. Uh, but anyhow, uh, so we resumed uh, day two of the main event yesterday at 1 p.m. Um, of course, after the uh, putting our clocks back, everybody had an extra hour of rest. Um, and when we got torched down to the end, I was kind of thinking about springing the clocks forward <laughs> and move this thing along. But, um, Damn, we turned our clocks back? When was yeah, that? Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Son of a... All right. 
and um, you know, you know how kind of like the horse races at these things. All the tournament staff will sit around and try to figure out how long uh, the day's going to go. Right? Yeah. You never predict in poker. That's what's awesome. But um, but people were playing fast, and it got out of the final table early, about an hour earlier than I thought it would get to the final table, and then. I was doing the live tweets from it, right? And I literally was missing people busting out because I was tweeting the people busting out from the last hand. <laughs> oh, man. That's how quick it was going. And there's one, actually, where I got done tweeting, and I looked up, and I went back over the table, and I'm like, and I started counting, and I'm like, I'm missing someone. Oh, no. And then I'm like, it's the guy. He was sitting there. To, wow, it seems like weird he'd get up and leave his. Oh, there's no chips in front of him. Oh, no. So then I go over where the cash out was, and I'm like, did I just miss a cash out? And you're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, what? I was literally tweeting. I only had 140 characters. How could I have missed another book? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was going very quickly, but then it got down to three-handed and slowed to a crawl. So I don't know how many of our listeners were following the live um, tweets. I would not imagine a lot. Um, I, I don't know how many of our listeners actually know these folks, but um, – but <laughs> you might have thought that I fell asleep for a while because there just wasn't anything coming out because the hands weren't exciting. It's these three guys that are just moving chips around. Um, you know, barely anything went past the flop, and it wasn't like huge bets pre-flop. So nothing really worth reporting, right? I mean, I could have reported every single thing, but it'd been boring, right? Yeah. So it went on for maybe an hour, I would guess, with like nothing for me to report, and. Um, then uh, one player had a nice hand and took some chips off another one, and they came back from a break, and that's when the chop discussion started. And had that not happened, I don't think we would have had a chop. I think these guys, they had even, three people with even chip stacks, all accomplished tournament players. You go to the, uh, their Hendemont pages, all three of these players, you have to click on page two, right? And, you know, if you have to click on page two, they're, <laughs> they've done something. Yeah, yeah they play a lot. Yeah, and um, so they're all good and um, had even chip stack, and that's, you know, uh, for people that enjoy watching poker and for poker tournaments, it was phenomenal. For people hoping the thing ends so you can type it up and go to bed and <laughs> fly back to Tampa the next day, not good, right? Um, but they had one hand where, where um, uh, uh, one of the players took some chips off the other one. They came back from break. And the chip leader was like, man, I got to be at work at 6 a.m., folks. <laughs> I got a two-hour drive. <laughs> and this was like after midnight. I think it might have been closer to 1 a.m. at this point. And, um, and he's like, let's make a deal. And uh, so they started talking about a, a deal. And he's like, I'll be, I'll be fair, man. And um, uh, the other two players didn't necessarily think the first couple deals were fair. <laughs> and then he's like, come on, man, make me a counter. I, I got to be at work at 6 a.m. And eventually on his own, he's like, let's just do a three-way chop. Even though he was, I wouldn't say um, far and away a chip leader, but he had a good chunk of the chips. And he's like, let's just do a three-way. Um, let me have the magazine cover and the seat as my sweetener for being the chip leader, and let's be done with this. And um, one of them, one of the other players does not chop ever. Um, and he eventually said, you know, it was too good of a deal to pass up, and so did the other one. And um, so all three of them got about a little bit more than 20000 I think 22000 maybe. Nice, and that's the other thing too. Is that when it's all over, he's still got to like pose for photos for us and everything. It's like you got to yeah, get this exactly. over with. Yeah, so that, that's the other thing. The journalist to me is like, okay, whoa, this guy just gave up a lot of money. <laughs> 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 sure, he wasn't late for work at six a.m. tomorrow, 
Um, and now I've got to pin them down and like, hey, I need to ask you some questions. And we got to walk you around the resort and take some photos. And I'm like, I hope this goes well. And it, and it did. He was very gracious and very happy with it. So it all worked out. But so anyhow, our main event uh, winner in quotes, um, Brian Wilson. Um, and he even admitted, he's like, you know, even after I uh, interviewed me, he was texting me last night and he's like, hey, can you add a quote in there about how these guys were better than me? <laughs> and I knew it. <laughs> and, um, and that's pretty good when you, when all three of you have a lot of caches and, um, and, and you're willing to admit and, or are capable of admitting, um, that you're not the best player at the table. In yeah. fact, the worst of the three. Um, and, um, so it all worked out for, for everybody. I think everybody was happy with it. And, um, but the the one guy that never chops says, "Hey, I'll be here till five a.m." and I'm like, "Whoa!" <laughs> so literally, I I don't know. I we probably wouldn't still be here now. We're recording at uh, I don't even know what time it is. Ten a.m. where you are, nine a.m. where I am. Right. Um. I don't think we'd be still watching it now. But that that thing could have gone on until sunlight. I think the way those three players were playing. I'm wow. And the chip stack. So man, that is so cool that he, that they all agreed to do it too. Especially because we we know somebody very close to us who never chops, and you know, for somebody who never chops to agree to a chop, even though it was a really good deal, I mean, we just looked out there because uh, those well, yeah, guys, they have every right to not want to chop. Well, here's the interesting thing about the never choppers. Is that a hashtag we can use now? Yeah, hashtag never chop. We're, we're still around the, the election, so maybe that's not cool. <laughs> but let's just say the, the never chopper movement out there, right? Right. Um, it, it, I think it's like anything. You, you ever say always and never, right? There, mm-hmm. There's very few things that you truly never would do and very few things that you'll um, truly always do, right? Right. Um, I mean, I'm always going to see Lita Ford. That's a guarantee. But, <laughs> you know, breathing, no. I might skip a couple breaths every once in a while, you know? It just depends what I got going on, right? Um, so with, with these never choppers, and I, I have absolute agreement with them that, you know, we, we shouldn't be chopping, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, if you've got one chip left and everybody else at the table has seven million chips left and you're offered a three-way even chop, I don't think they're hashtag never chopping. I know, I know. So, you know, let's let's get past this never chop thing. But let's start saying I don't prefer to chop. Uh, I only chop when it's grossly in my favor. Things like that are fine to say, but let's not say never chop because and that's and that's what the gentleman last night said. He's like, you know, I never chop, but I mean, I was third in chips, and it's an even chop. Um, that's a pretty good deal, and I took it. So yeah, it's just like if you're getting the right money to make a call in the pot. I mean, this is the right odds that you know is what you do. You make a if it's a good deal, you take it. It's a good idea. Yeah, exactly. So it all worked out. So it was good to see the discussion going, and a lot of fans watching it, um, and. Uh, just happy with another great event here. So our next uh, Annie Up Tour event uh, will be starting uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving at Thunder Valley Casino Resort. Um, uh, I've never been there before. I heard it's no wonderful. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we have a great time up at Thunder Valley. I always enjoy that. I'm actually flying up there on Thanksgiving. So if you're going out to play there, um, uh, good luck the first weekend, the first couple days, and I'll see you um, after you finish your turkey on Turkey Day. But you can go to com slash Thunder Valley for all the details on that series. And then Pearl River is going to be doing their next big series end of March. I think it's March 28th through April 4th or something like that. Um, you can get details on that at PearlRiverResort.com. It's just in to the Annie Up Pokercast newsroom. I have a release here from a Mike Faso. 
texting me saying he finished third in the Derby Lane Omaha 8 study event yesterday. Wow, golf clap. Yay, Mike Faso, frequent contributor to the show and a friend to us from work and home game. Uh, That's good. Yeah, he's all excited about it. He's like, and they think it's going to be a regular thing at Derby Lane, this Omaha 8 study tournament. So That's great. I was actually excited about playing that, and then I realized I was going to be out here. And then one of our other home game people actually sent me a message yesterday. Hey, I'm here. You're, you're showing up. Like, <laughs> uh, sorry, any up to event pro runner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess you're not going to fly in and fly back? <laughs> no, that's all right. But let me... I did ask him how many people they got for because that's that's a pretty brave tournament to run anywhere, I think. Yeah, and he said the I asked him some other questions and he said they may make it a monthly thing. So that's great. Yeah, Perfect. locally well, here, all, all of our friends, I think this be our entire home game would be yeah, excited about that. There, <laughs> it's right, it'll be our home game south. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so I was on the fence about whether to put this on the show. I had two or three uh, listeners um, send me the link and um, hey, did you see this? And I'm like, yeah, and then you said, hey, did you see this? And I'm like, all right. So I, I guess there's a groundswell of three people uh, asking me to put this on the show. And it's worth talking about, it, but I, I guess I'll get to why I didn't think it was that big a deal. But anyhow, uh, Travell Thomas, who's described in some media accounts as a poker professional, made headlines this month for another reason. He burst into tears in a courtroom when he pleaded guilty to running a multi-million dollar collection firm scam. As expected, most media reports use some form of cheesy poker cliché. <laughs> so if you could tell the sarcasm uh, dripping from what I was saying, this is kind of why um, I was a little dubious about this. One, I've never heard of this guy. Have you heard of Travell Thomas? No. Which doesn't mean that he can't be a poker professional because there are lots of poker professionals we haven't heard of. But some of the reports are like, hey, he won a – he cashed in a tournament at the World Series. Well, come on. My grandmother's cash in the World Series. It doesn't make you a poker professional. Right, right. Um, and then the other part is, that, and I guess this is why I ended up deciding to put it on, because the folks that were emailing me were like, once again, this is making poker players look bad. And it is when you call this guy a poker professional when I don't know whether he really qualifies for that, right? Yeah. Because the average, uh, the average Joe out there watching these news reports think poker professionals are the people they see on TV, right? Right. When really we all know that a lot of poker professionals you don't see anywhere. They're two five grinders or somewhere, right? Yeah. So, you know, it and that's that was the concern is that um, our listeners are like once again our uh, sport activity, wherever you want to call it, has got a black eye because of some idiot doing something and just happened to play poker at one point and the media just runs with it. I, I agree. I my angle for putting this on the show was to let our friends know that if you happen to be playing against this guy somewhere, he's not going to be around anymore, and that this or probably make him cry pretty easily. Yeah, and that this uh, Deutsche Bank, you know, who clearly scammed people out of money, <laughs> maybe uh, you know he's not angle shooting your game anymore. So I wanted to let them know that hey, there's one less guy to. Uh, Make us give us a black eye, if you will, and uh, but yeah, and of course it does come from the New York Post, and you can't really, yeah, you know, I, I don't even don't even trust the New York Post, you know, with with any real news anyway. But still, it's something that's fun to to but, read but and look I've seen at. It in other places too. That's why I said media accounts because I had seen it two or three other places, and all of them had the same kind of variation. He was a poker professional, or won big money at the World Series, or he didn't have a good poker face. Because he cried. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. 
<laughs> I hate to hate on our former comrades in the journalism industry because I know how difficult it is to write about. You have to be an expert in everything when you're like a general reporter, right? Right, right. So you do take cliches end up happening just because you have a small segment of knowledge about a bunch of things, and that's what you go to. So I understand why it happens. It's just it's unfortunate um, when it happens to a industry that you're a part of and love, and you know that this is not really representative of it yeah uh, you know as well as i do how many times did you have a the the, the five o'clock meeting or whatever the, the time is over at news but you have the meeting on a day when like thanksgiving's the next day and they get together and say now let's remember don't let any of our reporters get away with being thankful and they're in their leads and don't let the turkey or stuffing words get into the lead you know any holiday they make it you know it's all cliche and that's but that's what they live for blow your nose say doctors <laughs> so that's what they live for at these tabloids and stuff too you know but we we all have meetings ahead of time at real journalism locations and say hey you know let's cut the cliche we're better than that you know so <laughs> all right any updates if you'd like to be one of our monthly magazine contributors and represent Annie up in your home area Apply at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash ambassadors. We have immediate openings in Michigan, North Florida, Reno, Louisiana, and the Pacific Northwest. Also, Red Hawk Casino in California, Jack Cleveland Casino in Ohio, Horseshoe Hammond near Chicago, and Running Aces in Minnesota are the latest poker venues to join our Restock the Shells charity food bank initiative with Blue Shark Optics on January 16th. For more information, visit AnnieUpMagazine.com slash restock. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast.anyupmagazine.com and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. comes from our good friend Adam B. He says, So I've taken a bit of a step back from poker over the past few months for a couple of reasons. I have, however, been playing in a pool league. Uh, I'm assuming he means the one with the balls and not the water. Billiards, yes. There's one thing I've learned since I started on the league is how much of a mind game pool actually is. And I've drawn parallels to poker. Trying to figure out what shots my opponent will take and why, figuring out how I can force the action, etc. I'm always interested in games that I can relate back to poker in some way. Thoughts on any other? And how can I bring the mind games I've learned in pool and other games back to the poker room? I'm an ER nurse as well, and every day I have to figure out who is bluffing about how many drinks they had, what drugs they've done, etc. No matter how long I've played poker, I always am amazed at the parallels that can be drawn to different parts of life. And quite honestly, this step back from poker has reignited my love for tournament poker, and I'm looking forward to getting back to the table. Ah, what a nice letter, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I, I, I think this all the time, to be honest with you. And yeah, I, I gotta say, I mean, I think we all run, run, run through this in different scenarios. I mean, uh, not all of us uh, play pool. Um, I played it two weeks ago for the first time in years, and yeah. not even the beer helped. So <laughs> there was no trying to figure out what moves my uh, my opponents were making. It was um, let me not scratch. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> don't miscue and don't scratch. Basically, is, is what you're looking for there. Uh, but I do it all the time. You know, it's no secret I bowl a lot, and uh, a lot of a lot of times there's stuff like that going on with bowling, and um, but it, it, all kinds of things like golf. You know, you know what this person's capable of doing, so you make sure you do this. Or there's all kinds of stuff, even in like regular work things, like he said with the ER. I mean, I there it's just it's patterns of behavior of people. You know, that's why Joe Navarro's books were always so successful. 
you know, because he applied what he learned, uh, you know, behind the mirror in the FBI or whatever, and and applies it to real life things, not just here, but in the boardroom and everything else. So his books, every everybody, you know, all those things, those weren't just poker books; they were for life, and and it, it does draw a lot of parallels. Well, I think one thing that, um, and I know um, uh, our good friend Blas says this a lot, and, and it's it's the truth, and I use this a lot too, is that poker is all about risk assessment, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about, I mean, Adam's looking for tips on how to take poker back to other things he does and how uh, other things he does in life to take the poker. Really, to me, you can sum it all up by saying risk assessment. You know, we're sitting there deciding every time we put the chips in the pot, we are doing a calculation, whether we know it or not, on the risk of losing those chips versus the benefit of getting more chips, right? Right. So that's really it, and that's really what we do in life in general. So it was funny, right before the show, I was having, um, I was messaging some friends uh, about things, and, um, and I relayed a story to them of uh, one of my uh, friends from long ago who I caught up with uh, last month. And he said something off the top of me. He's like, you know, hey, uh, we were fly- my wife and I were flying down to, to Florida, and uh, you know, we took separate flights because you know we, we don't want the kids to ever be orphaned. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of giggled, and he's like, I know it sounds ridiculous. And I'm like, it's not ridiculous because I'm not a parent, and I understand the whole emotional thing of not wanting to orphan your children. Absolutely right. But the risk of that happening, very small. Mm. Uh, and I'm quite certain that they don't take separate cars everywhere they go, and the risk of dying in a car crash is far better than dying in a, a plane crash, right? So right, right. They're not doing proper risk assessment on that particular part of their life, and, and that's their life, and that's fine. But um, So that's just another example of everything we do is all comes down to assessing risk, and that's all poker is. That's really all poker is, is deciding whether the chips you're putting in are going to get you chips back or whether you're going to lose them. And if it, the risk is too high, then you don't put the chips in the pot. If uh, the risk is low, then you put them in. Hashtag life is positive EV. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Everything you do in life, you say to yourself, okay, is this is this better for my situation or worse for my situation? Is this going to save me money or is it going to cost me money? Is this going to, you know put me i have to sleep on the couch for a week or i get to stay in my bed you know there's all kinds of things that you're you're weighing with what you're going to say and what you're going to do and that's the way it goes but well, um, I'll tell you another interesting thing that, that i've been knocking around my head this week too and i actually haven't told you this but uh but i've been approached to to run for office and i don't know whether i will or not but um i've started thinking about the issues right mm-hmm. and how you respond at a candidate's form to them and it's funny how all the issues I end up, my first response is to explain them in terms of poker, which is not what you would do running for office, right? But it's interesting that that it, I don't think it's just because I'm in the poker world. I think that's just it, it's so similar to parallels of things that those things um, you look at life in terms of it, it's all again back to risk. You look in terms of risk versus reward, and it's easy to explain it in terms of a game, maybe not even poker, but chess or Monopoly or really anything right mm-hmm. if you could explain it hey you know well i i built on uh, boardwalk because you know you're gonna hit that and i'm gonna take your entire stack that's great you know people understand it in that way so it helps you understand more complex things to talk about them in terms of games now, any kind of game um poker just happens to be a really really good game to use in those examples i have been approached as well 
to run for Excellent. office. Uh, and I told him, not a chance. Because that would suck. <clears throat> but I would gladly be your surrogate. I, I will be your surrogate, Scott, when you run. Oh, okay. I, I will be the person on MSNBC lying uh, for you. <laughs> And covering your scandals. Oh, uh, Scott Long's been seen coming out of Hooters more than three times this week. Well, that, you don't understand, though. That he's, he's, if you read the entire tweet, you'll see what's happening. <laughs> he's contributing to the economy by going to Hooters three times a week. Don't you understand? He's, he's for the economy. All right, so now let's talk about those emails. All right, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast.antiupmagazine.com and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo director of poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, which specializes in poker odds and math at 911.net. I stumble over that every week. No, but it's tying back into risk assessment. <laughs> hey, this comes from Reed Perkins. He says at a Mississippi casino, the final board reads King, eight, six, Trey, King, with three players remaining. The first two check, and the third player bets. The first player says call, and the third player says, I've got three of a kind at virtually the same time. Mm-hmm. Player, player three makes a motion as if he's about to turn his cards over, but is stopped by the dealer and is reminded that there's still action left. Player one says, I can't beat that, but I said call, and throws his chips in. Player three, who has remained silent, folds ace-ace face up. We all look at player two, waiting for him to show his king, but he flips ace-six and says, actually, I have two pair. Player one turns over an eight and scoops the pot. Player three asks the four to be called because he wants the player who claimed a king to be warned. The four arrives, situation is explained, and two other players chime in saying they've seen the player pull this before. Even the four says that he's had to warn this player just the other week for the same move. The four gives the player a warning, and we all play on. I'm pretty new to the room, so I didn't want to make waves, but this seems like the guy is getting off the hook. If he's a known angle shooter and has done it at least twice in two weeks, shouldn't he get more than just a warning? This all happened about a month ago, and I've played with this player once since. He again tried the move, but the per- the person he tried it on called and had him beat. Since that was just heads up and the guy lost, no four was called, but it still rubs me the wrong way that this guy is so casual about this, and I can't help but think maybe a stiffer penalty from the four might help. How many warnings should a player do uh, doing this receive before something uh, is done, and at what point can I ask the four to perhaps do something a little more harsh? As I think about playing him in the future, I feel safe because I now know him and won't forget him or his preferred brand of scumbaggery. (laughs) But if I see him try to misrepresent his hand again, can I say something to the person trying to decide if they want to fold, even if I'm not in the hand? How would you handle this? Elliot says, three bites at the apple is way too much. Especially if it's not a Fuji, because the Fuji is the best apple ever. We've already had this discussion. Yeah, we don't talk about apples on here anymore. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, uh, back to Elliot. I agree the villain in the situation has been amply warned about this breach of etiquette and protocol. I would have little patience for this crap if it were heads up. Wow, Elliot throwing down the C word. Oh, man. In a multi-way pot with player yet to act, his early and intentional false declaration is to be considered nothing less than outright cheating. Ejection from the room for a period of not less than 30 days is rightly called for. If he comes back after that time, attempts this yet again, Permanent banishment from that poker room is justified. Woo. See, I need to ban my dad from my poker table because he does this all the time, and I keep warning him. I'm like, Dad, if he does it in a real poker room, you'd either get beat up or banned. And he, he does it all the time. He's like, flush, 
And I'm like, you don't have a flush, but he almost makes me fold. So, yeah, I agree with Elliot completely here. And I'm glad he uses the G-rated C uh, letter, a C word, whatever. But, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's disappointing to me that they would, that Floor would come over and say, I've had to do this to him before. I'm like, wait, no. If you've had to do it to him before, then what you're doing clearly isn't working and do more severely. Yeah. I, I think at that point, you got to come over and like, really? Again? Up, up, up now. Yep, get out. Hey, come on. Unreal. And uh, the one thing I really didn't address, but uh, what Reed did ask, so I want to talk about it, is um, he's like, um, uh, but if I see him try to misrepresent his hand again, can I say something to the person trying to decide if they want to fold, even if I'm not in the hand? No. <laughs> do not do that. No. One player per hand. It doesn't matter whether you're playing against two uh, scumbaggery um, candidates or not. you got to keep quiet. But afterwards, you can certainly go to the floor and say, hey, man, uh, again... With this guy. Can we get rid of him? Or you could be proactive, and when he's sitting at your table, and you see that he's sitting at your table, before the dealer starts dealing, you say, Hey, everybody at this table, just want you to know the scumbaggery <laughs> on alert. The guy over here on the left likes to make you think he has a better hand than he does and makes you fold. Don't fold until you see his cards. Yeah, because there's no uh, no bad result of that. <laughs> hey, if you, could, if you think you can handle yourself, you know what? I'd get into that fight every day and twice on Sunday. Oh, man. Hey, we get yeah, to this guy's terrible. So. <laughs> we get to complete O'Malley's move, so here we go with part one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I am Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing a friendly fifty cent one dollar no limit hold'em home game. This is our regular home game, so we're pretty familiar with all of the players involved. The game is seven-handed. We have the biggest stack at the table with 150 up about $50. The blinds posed, under the gun folds, plus one calls, MP folds, and we're in the cutoff with the nine of clubs, nine of spades. This is a decent hand, but not one I want to go crazy with. We just make the call. The button calls, small blind calls, big blind checks, and we go to a flop. With $5 in the pot, the flop is the king of spades, king of hearts, ten of diamonds. Not really what we were looking for, but we are intrigued when it is checked to us. We're going to make a bet here for two reasons. One, we may very well have the best hand, and if not, we might be able to get a 10 to fold here. And two, we would like to push the button out and have position the rest of the way. We make a pot-sized bet. The button folds, the small blind folds, but the big blind and plus one both call. There's $20 in the pot, and the turn is the king of diamonds. Hmm, intriguing. What's even more intriguing is both players check to us. So, are we firing away? What's the move? Who calls our flop bet? Nice, nah, actually. See, this is a great reading. I don't. That's not the inflection. <laughs> it's not more fun, right? This uh, is what happens when we write something two weeks ago and then have to reinterpret what we meant two weeks ago. It's difficult. It's not easy. Uh, who calls our flop bet? Uh, pairs, a 10, a king, uh, Broadway draws, and someone who just doesn't believe us. Uh, based on the pre-flop action, I feel confident in eliminating aces, queens, and jacks, so we're not afraid of pairs, nor are we concerned with the Broadway draw or players just trying to keep us honest. Gotta keep them honest. Uh, so if it comes down to whether we're up against a king, so it comes down to whether we're up against a king or a 10. A player with a 10 would want to be cautious the entire way. And a player with a king would be coy on this turn as well, I think. 
So if we're up against hands that are losing to us, we're going to get the same reaction with a bet on the river as we do on the turn. And we don't want to add fuel to that king fire. Uh, so I'm checking behind and hoping to get checks to us on the river. I couldn't check more here if I were Yvonne Lendl. Thank wow, you very much. Take it way back in the tank. Thank you very much. Yeah. I am dating myself. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to bet here. I really don't. I agree with your assessment. I think... You're running the risk of a king coming alive or giving him more money for nothing, and a 10 may fold if we bet. So I think I'm just going to check like you. Excellent. We're both checking out. Wow. <laughs> All right. Here comes part two. Hello again. Let's bet at this. Sure, we didn't raise preflop, so a king isn't likely in our range, but I think if either player had a 10, they wouldn't be checking here. And if one of them has quads, they'll either call and then lead out on the river, or have set us up for a check raise, and we can easily fold these nines. We can also represent a 10. Lots of people limp with jack 10. We make it $12 to go, and both opponents fold. We rake in the pot. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, if you don't have position, try to buy it. I hope to see you on the felt. Well, of course, I'm always happy for our good friend O'Malley, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do think a 10 would have checked to us, so I'm a little surprised that he didn't think uh, a 10 would. Um, and um, I'm not as excited as Mal about folding after a check raise. Um, you know, I don't want to put that money in and then have to fold. Um, but certainly I can't fault him for ending the hand. Uh, here, he, uh, playing it my way, our opponents would have uh, gotten another card to catch us. That's and true. could have lost. That's so. true. I said, you're a braver man than me, Mr. O'Malley. But uh, you're right, though. I mean, with the way we played it, you might have gotten uh, caught up to us and we would have lost the pot instead. So kudos, buddy. Kudos. Let's be result-oriented. Yeah. Kudos. All right. It's time for Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antfmagazine.com. This comes from Mike Pezzi. Uh, once again, it's a situation. Yeah, baby. Um, all right. He says, uh, one, two, no limit cash game sitting with about $330 up $100 for the day uh, I'm in the big blind and there's a straddle and he says go ahead Scott let him have it damn straddlers <laughs> get off my lawn folds around to the hijack who calls the straddle it folds to the small blind who looks and says to the dealer is that a straddle and gets the yes and raises the $17 at this point uh, let me give you the other stack sizes straddler has about 80 left hijack has about 120 small blind has us covered and we look down at jack of spades, jack of hearts. Uh, I guess the situation, but I guess we can pause here. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the interesting thing is on the notes it says he has jack 10. <laughs> so that's why I want to make sure it is jack jack. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on. Shoot. That's a good question. I'm just curious because if it's jack jack, then... You know, I don't want to be going through the whole hand and not be what it is. So, ah, it's Jack Jack. It is Jack Jack. Okay, good. It says here, so I'm yeah. Not just about maybe we're repeating an old hand. Let's hope not. <laughs> so we have position on the small blind who made it 17. We still have a straddler there who might go crazy, uh, but generally when they get punched in the mouth, they they whimper away. Um, I don't know. This is very interesting. It, it it could be that the you know if the guy. See, you need more information. This is why it's a situation, I think, because if I had known that that straddler was a crazy straddler who raised every time, you know, uh, then I would think that the guy who made this raising the small blind might be knowing the other guy would raise all the time, 
you know, I mean, or is he doing it because he knows a straddler never races when he straddles? He just likes to have that one street where he's betting last, and so that's why he just raised like a normal amount and could have any two cards. So it's a very difficult thing to just be placed. You know, it's like dropping you into a war zone. You know, what I mean, I don't, I don't really know really what's going on at this table, other than stack sizes and as a straddler. So if it's the situation where the the straddler just basically um, limps along, you know, just to checks and just likes to every once in a while mix it up with a straddle. Then, yeah, I might, I might take this uh, as any two cards and maybe re-raise. If it's something where you know the guy goes crazy in straddles and you're still willing to raise, then you, I think you probably have a hand here because you're hoping the guy's going to re-raise you. So then your jacks might shrink up a little. So I'm, I'm not really sure what to do here, but I think I might call in position. Yeah, so it's kind of like a little chess game here, right? Because the small blind has this covered. It's interesting because you move the chip stacks around in different places on the table. I'm going to do it with something different, I think. So here the small blind has this covered, right? And he's the one that just raised, correct? 17 bucks. Yeah. Um, the straddler only has 80 left. I'm comfortable getting 80 in pre-flop with this. Um, hijack has 120. I'm probably even comfortable getting 120 in there. But what I'm uncomfortable about is that the small blind, who's the one that just raised, is the one that has this cover. Yeah. So I don't think I want to get my whole stack in here pre-flop with checks. So the problem is, I think now if we poke the bear, which normally I would do here, because um, I wouldn't be worried about uh, these other folks get coming along. But I am worried about the small blind. Um so I think I might be inclined just to call and see what happens here because it's possible that the other folks are going to be doing the raising for us anyhow, right? Yeah. Okay, in other words, if we, like you said, if we just call and then this hijack goes crazy and everyone else folds to us, well, then you said, well, I'm willing to go 80 with jacks. So, you know, that could that could be a good situation that could happen for us, but it could yeah, only I mean, happen if we, if we call. That's scenario, right? Yeah. If we call here and then the straddler goes all in for 80 and then the hijack goes all in for 120 and then the small blind's like whoa <laughs> i guess my hand isn't as good as i thought and folds it gets out of the way now it's an easy call right yeah yeah let's see what happens well, well what does happen because you know the whole thing right you got the situation all right, all right. so uh, our hero says we know the small blind is a small a solid player and with a raise from that spot i wanted to tread lightly a bit so i call a 17 straddle calls to 17 hijacked and ships all in for 122 Small blind tanks for a bit before stating, okay, let's see what happens. I call and calls 105 more. At this point, I feel as though I'm ahead of the hijack because with a straddle, he likely raises right away with strong hands. The small blind's internal debate and call confuses me as to why he wouldn't reshove with a hand better than Jack-Jack to try to eliminate me and just get heads up with the two smaller all-ins. I'm confuddled as well. Because I think maybe it's 10-10 or ace-king, but certainly worry about queen-queen. Uh, regardless, after adding it all up, I shove my remaining 313 in the pot. Uh, Straddler puts his remaining 63 in the pot, and the small blind tanks for a while before making the 200 call. Wow. Before we reel the hands, this is kind of what I was worried about, right? Wow. Uh, but what is different here, though, from the first analysis is that the small blind just called and didn't, and, and he's right. The, he obviously was not excited about which you normally would think the small blind would do in this situation, with really any hand that he's worth raising for, rip with, right? Yeah. I, I This is crazy. I, I just no way I'm... I mean, I'm getting out of the way now. 
I mean, think well, about here's the other thing too is now now we're trying to get rid of the small blind. If we get rid of the small blind, now our jacks are up against two other hands, which I was fine with before. I guess I, I don't know. It just seems like with with everyone willing to put this much in the middle, yeah, we could be up against three hands. One could be an overpair because there's no there's nothing that says that the small blind wasn't legitimate with queens there. Right, right, exactly. So you know what I mean. So then you could be you could be a huge dog, and then on top of it, you're racing other cards too. You know, it, it's it's. I'm glad we only put seventeen in. I think I think I'm gonna let it go. Yeah, you're right. At this point, we have only put the seventeen in, right? Yeah, just let it go and watch the three of them race. And Jack's really hard to beat. That's three hands you had to be with all kinds of things up there. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's almost difficult, always difficult to play jacks correctly against one person. You got three guys willing to shove all their money in the middle with the, how how reliable are your jacks here. And if it comes where you flop a jack and everything, you're just like, hey, you know, hey, we, you chalk it up to you made the right decision. I I, I mean, you, you're getting a lot of money on your money. You know, I mean, it's decent odds here now, but it's still not set mining money you know so i mean if you're willing to gamble and risk and you're still gonna have but you have one guy here who's got you covered and he only called i can see what he's trying to say should i call off a third of my stack here and then see a flop and then maybe get the rest of the other guy's stack because he's not gonna be able to get away from it and we flop a set or something but it's such a narrow window for you to get that guy's whole stack now with jacks i think i'm just gonna let it go over 17 bucks yeah, and that's really the thing is you could still make this hand profitable if you beat the small blind and lose to the other two, right? Yeah, yeah. But small blind obviously has the strongest hand here. Well, not obviously, but you know, seems very likely has the strongest hand here. Um, and then we only have to figure out whether it's stronger than ours, and I think it clearly, I'm clearly worried that it will be. So yeah, I mean, what you have to hope for here is that he has either ace king flops an ace when you flop a jack and you can get it in. Or he has tens and it comes all unders the whole way and you pip him at the end. I mean, there's very narrow window here and and, and circumstances that you need to to really get his stack to make it profitable. If you don't beat the other two hands, it's it's too much for me. It's too many things in play. I'm just gonna let it go. Yeah, I think so too. Um, all right. Well, anyhow, um, as we raise everybody calls, so the small blind flashes queen queen again. Oh man. Flop is king, four, eight, rainbow. Uh, hijack excitedly flips up four, four, and we are dead twice. Turn is a deuce. The river is a jack. Woohoo! Seriously, <laughs> scoop in the $795 pot and run home to give it all the wife, hoping it means I'll get lucky again. Side note. Oh, man. Oh, man. I didn't even know that. Um, yeah, see, you can't You can't just say, oh, okay, well, that was not a good move. You know I mean? You got the river miracle, basically. Oh, man. Well, that's a huge pot too for for something like that. So somebody got, was willing to get it all in the four four preflop. That's just yes. sick. That's just sick. Must have had some place to be. And then the queen queen was probably ecstatic, you know, because he would have lost it, and he would have lost three hundred on it. Wow, that's just crazy. Why we don't? Do we run into stuff like this when we play? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, every once in a while you see a big hand, but it's usually like aces and kings and ace king suited or something at a one three game or something. But I don't see anybody shoving their entire hundred dollar stack or eight dollar stack with four four pre. I just don't. Four people doing it. I know. I know. This doesn't make sense. All in where the smallest stack was eighty. You know, at a one two. 
Most of the one two games I play in, most people have a stack of eighty. <laughs> I know, I know. That's insane. Wow. All right. Hey, uh, safe travels, buddy. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.